Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Andy Stanley Johnson is going to be a Laker for at least the rest of this season and maybe into next. Congratulations to him. The trade rumors are starting to percolate a little bit more. We've got more reporting out there on the whole Westbrook to Houston thing. And, uh, you know, LeBron James, is he playing back at an MVP level that it might actually get him the MVP? All that and more coming up on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturdays and Sundays. We get this thing up for you as early as we possibly can, so no matter where you are, when you get your podcast, how you get your podcast, we've got something up for you. Uh, reminder to subscribe to Locked on Lakers on YouTube. You can get it a little early and you can see us do this podcast. You know, we are really, really handsome. Uh, and so that will just improve your day right there. Um, so some fresh reporting on Russell Westbrook following the uh, the the benching from Frank Vogel by Ramona Shelburne uh, at ESPN. And some interesting nuggets out of that story, some new stuff about what the Lakers might or might not be willing to do if they were to trade Russell Westbrook. Um, but Andy, let's start here with uh, Stanley Johnson. Um, we have been waiting and expecting something like this, but Wednesday, uh, the Lakers reportedly signed uh, signed Stanley Johnson to a two-year deal. Um, the second year be being a team option. It's going to be official today as people right. hear this. Like it was agreed upon Wednesday, and I believe uh, today people will be hearing about this officially from the Lakers because the contract technically expired Expires, Wednesday. Right. So he he uh, he will be with the Lakers through the rest of the season and basically has a non-guaranteed deal team option for next year. Essentially, it's it's a um, it's a it's a it's a one year deal with a little bit of a make good thing at the end that allows the Lakers to kind of have dibs on Johnson if they want to keep him going forward and do so at a pretty reasonable price, I'm sure. Um, no surprise here in the slightest. I think it would have been much more surprising to see Andy had the Lakers let Johnson walk for one reason or another following what would be his last 10 day eligibility with them. Shocking would be an understatement. If that had happened, I mean, beyond the fact that Stanley Johnson has, I think, earned his way onto this team, he has been mm -hmm. spending, I think, I don't have his game logs in front of me, but it would not be surprising to me if he started more games and he's come off the bench. Um, so you know. he's he's definitely had a solidified role. The Lakers don't really have anybody quite like him on the roster in terms of size and build and athleticism. Also worth noting, for a team that is fairly starved for youth, Stanley Johnson, despite having entered the league a while ago and it feeling like he's been here a long time, he's only 25. Yep. So, so he's actually somebody that if this works out for the rest of the season, stays around next year, it also works out, he could theoretically be a part of the Lakers' future moving forward. He was an eighth overall pick several years ago, so the general consensus on him coming out of Arizona was high. He's from the L.A. area, Orange County, I believe, and he's talked about how just in this short amount of time with the Lakers, he notices a comfort level being at home that he didn't experience in some of the other places You know, during what's been a pretty turbulent career for him. Mm -hmm. But you know, credit to him, man, because it would be extremely easy for somebody in his circumstances to get really frustrated, to develop a negative attitude, or maybe just say, you know what? 
I'm going to be practical about this and go overseas and immediately look to carve out something more lucrative right away. This is what he wanted. He busted his ass to make it happen, man. He deserves a lot of props. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a cool story. Um, you were close. He's he's played 14 games with the Lakers going into Thursday night uh, when he probably will start against, um, against Philadelphia. And uh, he started six of them. So he started almost half the games that he's played with the Lakers, shooting over 50% from the floor, uh, 40, 34% from three-point range. These are all numbers that are well above his career averages, which is why in part, that he is um, available to the Lakers in this kind of context. But I also think, you know, look, it, it can be different for a guy once you get past the lottery bust thing. And there's no question, Stanley Johnson is a lottery bust. Um, that doesn't mean he can't he's, be It's useful. not even underachieving. He struggles no, he's a, to stay in the league. He's, he's, a, he's a bust. I mean, Detroit missed on that pick. They whiffed in a big way. Um, and... It's it's one of these situations where once you move past that, never it's all been established, and now okay, great, Stanley Johnson will never live up to his draft billing. Now you can kind of figure out well, what can he be? And you know, clearly he is not one of these guys who, as you just noted, the ego is not going to allow him to become a role player or do something like that because he fought his way back in the league for that opportunity. What can you do? Like, look at, look at, there are guys, and I'm not saying he's going to be one of them, but there are guys that when you find them the right niche and you give them the right role and you pay them the appropriate money and you have the right expectations and you slot them to succeed in the way that they are most likely to be able to do it, you can find success. Gary Payton Jr., uh, is it Gary Payton II? I'm sorry, bounced around the league, including with the Lakers and in and out and G League and overseas and all that, and has been a revelation this season with Golden State because they happen to have a system that takes advantage of all of his strengths and minimizes a lot of his weaknesses. And maybe with Stanley Johnson, that's something the Lakers can can tap into where they don't need him to be a 15-point-a-night guy scoring. It's okay if he doesn't shoot a particularly high percentage overall if he shoots well from two or three spots on the floor and provides them with a certain switchability and mobility and all that on defense that fits really well with an Anthony Davis, LeBron James-based lineup. I mean, th th that is not an unreasonable proposition if you keep expectations at a non-lottery level. You know, you know, it's interesting, Brian, who, who just popped into my head because I thought, all right, you know what? I, I think people may have forgotten that this guy was drafted around the same place as Stanley Johnson, and it turns out not only was Contavious Caldwell-Pope drafted literally in the same place, he was drafted by the Pistons, but he was also an eighth overall pick, I, I believe two seasons before Stanley Johnson was an eighth overall pick. And Contavious Caldwell-Pope you know, ha has not had a superstar career by any standards. And I, you know, he, he has had a much steadier, more productive career mm -hmm. than Stanley Johnson. But what he has become is something that Stanley Johnson, I think, could aspire to, which is a super high-end role player. Like Contavious Caldwell-Pope is somebody that you know you can put on a team with high aspirations and he can find a role. And look, some of this could be a matter of you know having better structure than, say, what has gone on in Detroit during the early part of the last decade or the middle part of the last decade. And you know he's been in better situations, the Lakers being the best in terms of actual winning in that but KCP has a niche and he is somebody that is seen around the league 
as having value. And I guarantee the next time KCP is a free agent, assuming he keeps playing like this, he is going to have a lot of suitors. And it's not that long ago that KCP was thought of as, you know, the the butt of the jokes, mana from heaven, which wasn't his fault. That was no that Rob Palinka's fault. Of Rob Palinka, right? Right. But part of where that came from was just the idea that you know this is a guy that had been drafted fairly high by Detroit and had not played at anywhere close to a mono. No, I mean just level. good, decent player. But like you know, for the Detroit Pistons, whatever. It's just we have we have. This is something that bugs me about you know the way modern sports is talked about. We have a weird way of talking about success and failure sometimes. Um, to where you know the accomplishments of a Russell Westbrook in becoming the seventy, you know, one of the seventy-five greatest players of all time, are blown off because he hasn't won a ring. Which, like, I'm not saying championships don't matter, but like, let's also not pretend that some of these things are based on luck and are a little bit arbitrary, or that like you know somebody like they, they their career accomplishments shouldn't count because of one thing that they can't check off their list, not being the 20th great best player of all time or the 10th or the fifth, you know, somehow makes you trash if you're yep. only the 45th best to ever do this thing that we all love. Um, had, had Kobe come out of high school a few years later, you know, when it was more commonplace for high school guys to go straight to the NBA, there is no way he could have pulled off that bluff with his agent arm tell him to end up forcing his way basically to the Lakers or nowhere else. Other teams would have just said, screw it, man. We we are we're not gonna let this guy get past us. I mean, part of the reason he could pull that off is because a guy like Kobe, even with the buzz coming out of high school, it was still unheard of for a guard to go straight to the NBA. Mm-hmm. A few years later, he couldn't pull that off. And if he ends up on a different team, like a typical rebuilding team that uh, that would take somebody of Kobe's caliber, his career is completely different. It, it, the, the career path is completely different different. So that gets back to what you're saying in terms of certain degree of luck and arbitrary as much as Kobe made his own luck. Yeah, you know? no, I, I agree. So I had a couple more, you know, things or maybe, you know, maybe we'll, we'll kind of keep talking about Stanley Johnson as this goes along, but it's a, it's a solid signing. It's something that, you know, he brings a skill set the Lakers obviously need and especially on the defensive side of the ball. And he's, you know, he's hitting his corner threes and he can put the ball on the floor. He's very good in transition. He can do ugliest layups ever, but they work. They seem to go in and, you know, he, he is doing enough on that side of the ball that you can certainly keep him on the floor and it doesn't have to be, you know, a, a total negative. So, um, good pickup for the Lakers or continued pickup. Uh, let's talk about Russell Westbrook because some interesting stuff written about him both as a potential trade option, but also from Ramona Shelburne uh, at ESPN about Momo! What, what life has been like since the Lakers and Frank Vogel sat him down in the fourth quarter. What was that, a week ago, give or take? <laughs> We're so much older now, right? Exactly. It's the answer to everything. Yes, we'll do that is. next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online wants to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. To sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC. Write down your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the games start. 
So do you want to talk uh, Stein and Westbrook trade first, or do you want to talk Shelburne and Westbrook psychology first? Surprise me, Brian. Let's do the trade thing. Okay. Um, all right. So we we've we've reviewed some of these things in on 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 shows, but it's worth talking about again. Um, it has been presumed, Andy, that the Lakers could not possibly trade Russell Westbrook because I think they were pretty much seen as the only team that was willing to trade for him in the first place. So uh, the market is not big. Mark Stein, uh, now writing independently, you should all subscribe to his newsletter. One of the great writers out there in the NBA has noted and a good dude on top of it. Oh, wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, He has noted that that is not entirely true. There is a potential suitor out there. The Houston Rockets would be willing to do wall for Westbrook 2.0 if, if the Lakers are willing to toss in a little sweetener in the form of a first round pick, the uh, 2027 pick, which is really the, the first thing that they can control. Um, the Lakers, Mark Stein reports, aren't going to do that. <laughs> they, are, <laughs> they are not going to, to uh, include a first round pick for, to, to, to unload Russell Westbrook. Um, you, you're not surprised in any way by this news, are you, Andy? No. I mean, we we talked about this a couple shows ago, Brian. Like, it would be insane to include a first-round pick, like, to get off Russell Westbrook, to bring in John Wall, who has played half a season of basketball over the last season and a half. His fit might be better than Westbrook's, but it is questionable, remains to be seen, just how much better it would be. His health is always in question, and I don't care what John Wall says or you know will leak out, what clutch will leak out, whatever, in terms of his current state. We haven't seen Jack bleep, and I need to see what the dude actually looks like before I'd make a deal like that. And then there's still the overarching question of, is this team good enough mm-hmm. that John Wall would put them over the top and you would sacrifice the it- one draft pick that they have full control over until like 2097 or something like that <laughs> until the end of the era. Yeah. Um, is it, if you do that kind of trade though, is it, is it as much about it's, it's less about what John wall does for your team and more about what removing Russell Westbrook does for your team. Correct. Is that really what we're talking about here? It's like, the absence of Westbrook and and the problems that he has brought, not he personally, like he's doing anything wrong. He's he's doing exactly what Russell Westbrook does. No, all of this was foreseeable, but it just it would be an admittance that this was a terrible idea. And just by removing the difficulty of integrating Westbrook into what we're doing, we make ourselves better. To me, it seems less about Wall and more about that. But that is a tremendous price to pay. Just to find that out, I don't know, man. And, and I don't think they're good enough. And I think if you remove that, like that, you're still not good enough. Well, but also, I think in some respects, that's a that's like a distinction without a difference because John Wall, I don't know if is is the easiest guy to integrate himself. You know, I mean, putting aside the fact that he's likely going to need time that the Lakers don't have just to get into basketball shape, even if he is as healthy as you know, team wall, team clutch, whatever is leaking out. 
he still is not in basketball. No, he hasn't that played. Is, he has played barely right. played basketball in three right. years. So, the, like the idea that you know integrating John Wall is just going to be seamless as a, you know as yeah. opposed to Russell Westbrook this disruption. You know, when they made this deal, even before they made this deal, I said one of the reasons I would not have done it and that I was shocked they did it once they did is because Russell Westbrook is, as I like to say, the least subtle player in the NBA and maybe the the least blendable player in the NBA. But John Wall doesn't strike me as necessarily just drop him in and drop everything in, right, plays and itself go. out. I also, I also just feel like, you know, in terms of admitting things went wrong or something like that. Like, I don't care about that. Like no, I, I would like, you don't, they do. I would like to think though, that they would they recognize. Do. I would like to think that they would recognize more people would give them credit. Big picture, you know, past the immediate dunking and the memes and, you know, the first take segments and God knows skip Bayless. will have a coronary over this, but like, eventually if it works, if John wall was better than Westbrook, they would get credit for putting their ego aside. Rob Palenka would get credit for being willing to uh, withstand whatever ire could be felt from LeBron, if it even exists. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I, I, that's certainly that's certainly a possibility if it worked out. Can I, can I before we get off of this? Can I just put out there my sincere appreciation for what Houston is doing here? Because the Rockets know that it is unlikely, highly unlikely that this move would ever happen they know that they're not dumb over there i mean not necessarily well run but they're not dumb in that regard they have a very um, personable owner yeah <laughs> wonderful guy tillman for tea <laughs> wonderful seems like Love a solid him. dude Ugh. Ugh. but um so <laughs> you know you have a, a, a situation where um they know what's probably not going to happen and 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 all that but Rather than allowing the world to just assume that there is no destination for Russell Westbrook, they are putting it out there that there is. Because then fans know, media knows, and all that. And if it just goes that far south, if over the next, you know, since they put that out there, you know, whatever it was a few days ago and has been reinforced by Stein and his reporting since then, if things just by chance happen to go really bad, over the next week and a half, two weeks, or whatever it is, and suddenly the find, Lakers find themselves in a bind. Let it be known that there is a way out. You may not like it. It may be ugly. You think there could be a pressure campaign to trade for John Wall? I, if it got bad enough, and you know, and I, there was look a week ago when Russell Westbrook was benched, and you know, before we got some of the details about how and why he left the arena and all that stuff. And, you know, it looked like the Lakers had had, you know, potentially created a, a situation and Westbrook had potentially created a situation where, you know, the relationship might be in peril. I bet Houston was like, maybe, <laughs> maybe <laughs> like it would. Did, is it, did the percentage go from zero to 10 percent that it might have? So I just I have an enormous amount of respect for what Houston is trying to do here, which is just put it out there so that the Lakers can't have the out of nobody would ever trade for us. We can't even trade him, which is an indictment in them making the move in the first place, but it's also an out. So I, I just kudos to the Rockets for playing this game well. Um, 
<laughs> won't matter. But no, I, just, I mean I, they, I they have nothing to lose because they're Correct. not going to be able to trade John Wall. And, so. and if they and if they get, they're not going to be able to trade Wall. They can't damage that relationship anymore. They're not playing him. Um, and they were they're going to buy out Westbrook if if he ends up in Houston anyway. So right. um, anyway, let's let's talk about Ramona's article. Um, I also want to mention a little bit of, of of THT because we should we should know too that THT's play um, around the Jeremy Grant stuff and any other deals out there is also impacting the ability for the Lakers to make some of these moves. We we'll do all that next. All right, so um, let's 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 stay on Westbrook here for a second. Ramona's article that came out on ESPN, we'll tweet it out at Cam Brothers, had a few really interesting nuggets in it. It really it detailed without you know reading the thing to you guys. It detailed what those days following um, the the benching were like, uh, the communication between Westbrook and Rob Palinka, between Westbrook and Vogel, uh, Westbrook's um, overall attitude about things, and importantly, the Lakers thinking on where they can go from here. And I think the the salient quote there comes from a Lakers source when they say there is no plan B. <laughs> like, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. So maybe a train. <laughs> well, that was, that before was me adding it. Uh, Brian, did not that, mention the they, train. That was me. Yeah, that, that was before that uh, they they knew that they could get John Wall for John the Wall. low, low price of a first I, you round. You know what, pick. Andy? I bet they knew when they said that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the idea that, they, look, there is no plan B here, um, that was certainly a line that that stuck out to a lot of people, and it reinforces what we've been saying all season long. Like, they are pot committed to this. Um, they can tinker with the margins, but the idea that you're going to be able to change fundamentally what this is, at least this season, is very unrealistic. Yeah. So, I mean, the the thing that you have to do now is the thing that they have always had to do since the beginning of this season, and the beginning that they decided to take this massive swing with Westbrook is how do you make it work? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they knew when they did this or – should have known, maybe underestimated it because not to go down the rabbit hole for the billionth time, it would have been useful to keep Alex Caruso if for no other reason to give you more trade mm-hmm. flexibility to try to undo things if it didn't go well. But they had to have known they were going to be basically pot committed with this move. They were leaving themselves few outs, even if they felt that they had some. Like there were only so many that if they were even semi-competent at this job, they could have possibly thought they had. So you got to try to get yourself to that high upside version of the Lakers that they pictured when they made this deal. That, mm-hmm. you know, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, by multiple accounts, pushed hard for. And I have to believe Rob Palinka at least liked it, you know, if not was just as on board with it as the rest of the guys. Like... It feels like a Palinka move. It feels it like does. a Palinka move, a Lakers move. It's very on, everything about it was very on brand. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I agree with you, and I think we saw, you know, the the hope um, from from uh, Tuesday's game in Brooklyn, where you know Davis and LeBron and AD are there, and you can see how it works defensively, and they they played at a higher pace, which takes really takes advantage of what Westbrook brings for you. Um, that plays to more of his strengths than certainly being locked into a half court. Um, and, you know, Brooklyn was a, a very diminished version of themselves, but the Lakers controlled that game throughout. And, you know, it was a good first step. You get a, a much better test against a better Philly team with Joel Embiid on on Thursday night. But 
you know, let, let's see what, what kind of progress they can make and what kind of progress they can show, because this is what they're going to be going forward. Um, what else stuck out to you about Ramona's reporting in this story? Um, the biggest thing that jumped out at me, because, you know, the, the actual on-court stuff is, you know, th this is stuff that we've, you know, dissected to death and will, I imagine, continue to. But the stuff that Ramona got into about Russ's comfort level and how much he is just a notorious creature of habit. Like, he yes. may be the most regimented, scheduled player in the entire NBA. Like, he likes to have everything at an exact precise time like you know this i don't remember who it was but in okc played a prank i believe uh with parking in russ's spot and did not go well no. like these are just these are things that he does not like being thrown off his routine and reading from uh ramona's piece uh it's fair to wonder how much adding westbrook's longtime coach Scott Brooks to Vogel staff could have helped the 33-year-old guards acclimation to the team. Brooks ended up getting a more lucrative offer to coach alongside Chauncey Billups with the Portland Trailblazers, which, you know, is reflective of the cost issues with the Lakers and, you know, uh, money spending things that have come up on a lot of different fronts and just what they're willing to spend on, what they're not, what they will go into the luxury for, tax for, what they won't. Um, but as Ramona put, like the idea of bonds and trusts. And he, she also said, those who know him best say Westbrook thrives in environments where he feels some sense of controls. His best year was when he and his team in the organization revolved around him and adapted to him. He likes the pressure that came with that. In some ways, it was easier for him to have everything on him than share responsibilities with another superstar whom he could not control. And this is the first time that Russell Westbrook has ever been on a team where there is no possible way he could have had things revolve around him. Like even right. Houston, which was Harden's team, they revamped a lot of things. That Clint Capella trade was really about creating space, driving lanes for Russ, going small like that. That was more about Russ than Harden. Going to the Wizards, you know, Russell Westbrook isn't necessarily on less of a ground than Bradley Beal, despite him being a lifer. And either way, Beal missed a lot of that season, so it kind of became Russ's team at times anyway. Russell Westbrook wasn't going to be able to have stuff revolve around him more than AD with the Lakers, much less LeBron. Yeah. So you've got to find a way. I think as much of, and I never really thought about it this way before, Brian, but like the idea of what gets Russell Westbrook in the right rhythm, the right headspace, I think it may have as much to do about with these things as it is his actual role on the court, like just psychologically what he feels like his place with this franchise is. Well, I think, I think they're related. I think they are extensions of the same thing. Um, a, a regimented player wants things to be regimented often off the court too. I mean, this is what, what I get to like a lot of times when I think, you know, we have the, these debates, fans have these debates. Like, what is Westbrook capable of adjusting to on the floor? How much is he capable of changing his game? Because, you know, I, I, I thought we had a really great conversation the other day about what the Lakers as individuals attribute some of their problems to. Avery Bradley talked about, you know, uh, not learning from mistakes and sort of veterany type things. And LeBron talked about adherence to scheme and 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 those have been Russ talked about effort and all that. And I and I for me, I feel like Russ is one of those guys who feels like. Effort is the core of his being, and he can rust his way through anything. If he just tries hard enough, rusts hard enough, he can overcome anything. And that's sort of how he has played the game. I, I think sometimes, too, 
he has been so singular and so, um, as you say, sort of binary, you know, in, in how he plays and loud and I forget the word, you know, unmixable, whatever the right words are. Least be- blendable player in least the blendable. Like in that, that's because he is so stark in, in how he plays on the court. Um, that I just I don't know how capable he is of of adjusting those things of being something because he's never doesn't use those other basketball muscles and I think all of this is part of that it is all part of the same regimented ethos but I also think what you're talking about that comfort level off the court the predictability the coaching staff whatever it might be is probably something that we haven't spent enough time on in terms of understanding. Um, the issues, but I'm just, I'm not sure like how much different we should expect Russ to be or should have expected Russ to be. He's adjusting all the stuff that we really talked about the most. He's trying to cut off ball. He's, they're doing a little bit more off screen action. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's not shooting nearly as much. He's trying to be more responsible with stuff. He's cut down on his turnovers. I mean, it's like, most of those things, if you said Russ would do all of that stuff at the beginning of the year, he'd be like, sign me up. Let's do this. And it still hasn't worked out. So maybe it's the other stuff, or maybe it's just because it doesn't fit. And he's just not quite as good as he used to be. Which is no, clearly and also, they've never been able to do any of this stuff under the most ideal circumstances. And they were picturing yep. the most ideal circumstances when they made this deal. Yeah, and that's what these next nine games are. Like this is the you know before the you know, I guess eight games now the nine games they get with AD before the trade deadline, that's the laboratory that we are in, and it is a very quick one, and whatever. And you know Russ turned the ball over five times against Brooklyn, but overall I thought played a perfectly good game. He was yeah. fine. Oh yeah, um, he, he was you know, good. He's fine. And, and you know the results were good with the Lakers, and you saw some some different actions. Like they need to show signs over the next eight. They're not going to win all of them, but that they can be competitive and that this core three is worth saving or can be saved with a trade or whatever. <laughs> is the first round pick worth saving? Is the first round pick worth saving? I mean, because you can only you can only trade THT once. I mean, maybe we'll get, you know, for Friday's show, we'll talk about sort of how he's playing and, and what that does for his impact uh, on the trade market. But you can only trade him once and you can only trade that pick once and they don't have anything else. So... You better get it right whenever you whenever you make that decision to trade or hold or whatever. Every decision they make from now on, with a personnel standpoint, with an asset, becomes you know magnified by a thousand because they have so few choices available to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this is a critical stretch that we're reaching right now. Anyway, locked on Lakers uh, every day, Monday through Friday. First, listen. Don't be listening to other things. Don't listen to your children, your wives, your husbands, whatever it might be. Listen to us first and then go do those other things. Subscribe to Locked no, On No, no, no. Listen to us first, then another Locked On podcast, then your husband, wife, children, all those loved ones. That's what David Locke told us the order was. <laughs> it's the order. We'll see everybody Friday.